Today's episode of Parenting Unpacked comes with a trigger warning for termination of pregnancy, childhood sexual assault, and general crime. Please turn off now if you're not ready to listen to this episode and come back later. to Parenting Unpacked. You're here with Dr. Siobhan Kennedy-Costantini and Dr. Kristen Summer. How are you doing, Siobhan? I am well. How are you? I am also well, solo parenting this because my husband is in Germany, um, which is wonderful for him. I know. So exciting, right? Like post-COVID, not post-COVID, current COVID, like, well, you know, COVID normal. We actually get to travel the world again. So he gets to go to Germany. He gets to go to Germany for the next couple of weeks, and then in a couple of months, we'll go to somewhere else in Europe um, for my work. Hopefully, we'll see. Still working out the kinks in that, but yeah, I am solo parenting, and I'm actually doing fine. Yay! That's nice because it is a challenge. Let's Isn't not pretend. No. Um, Germany, whereabouts? <laughs> Stuttgart. I'm excited. Oh, I have no idea where that is. No idea. I don't know. He flew into Frankfurt. Um, had a 10 hour layover in Singapore. It was meant to be three hours. And on the morning of his flight, it was 10. Um, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't love to travel. He's a large human and we know what large humans are like in travel. It's not great. Um, but yeah, so he's there. He's going to make his way up to Denmark, I think, or Norway. I don't know. He's got a bunch of like, how exciting. I know. And my daughter doesn't quite comprehend it. Like he goes Absolutely. away for work all the time. But when I ask her where he's gone, she keeps saying Melbourne. And he's been to <laughs> Melbourne all of one time. Um, yeah. And she's just stuck on it. And I'm like, where do you want to go? Like when you get on a plane next, um, she's never been on a plane, but like for the first time. And she's like, Melbourne. And I'm like, why Melbourne? Like it's what? Why? It's a good a place as any. Why are you? fixated in her mind. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she doesn't, I guess she doesn't really understand that Melbourne and Germany are very different distances. Um, and she won't for some time. No, but when she heads to Europe in a couple of months, hopefully, she's going to learn all about hopefully jet lag. Hopefully with you. Well, yes. The, the way you said it, when she heads to, I'm like, oh, jet setting toddler. I just had visions of her little backpack, like on wheels Unac- behind her. Unaccompanied minor. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. Uh, we'll see. I think I w- I'm really interested in like finding out what she thinks of time changes and jet lag um, and planes in general. But anyways, mm. that's what's happening in my world. What's happening in your world? Um, nothing quite as exciting. No. Uh, my computer died, mm. um, which I is not fun. I've got a laptop, so I'm not. Um, it's not a disaster. I've still got. I've got the capacity to work, which is good. Mm. Um, but I needed a new motherboard. And yes. then it turns out that my motherboard was eight years old. Oh. Um, and so they don't, the the bits that I had that plugged into the motherboard, motherboard were like three or four generations no longer compatible. Oh. So I needed to replace a bunch of bits. And then I had, it was actually really fun. My husband and I sat down and built the computer yeah. and I figured out where things went. Um, and then unfortunately, the less fun part is it doesn't work. We stuffed something up and we don't know what. Oh, no. Um, and it's the kind of thing where there's dozens of variables. Yeah. So it could be that this cable's broken. It could be that this piece is broken. It could yeah. be that it's in the – anyway. So we don't have like 10 hours to individually test every mm. item. Uh, we barely had the two hours we had to mm. sit down and make it. Like that felt like luxury. So it's in at the computer shop. Mm. Um, so hopefully 
we yeah it was all very anticlimactic because mm. we were I was very excited to get it all going and then um yeah but it looks pretty yeah so that's something it doesn't work but it looks pretty oh I'm so happy for you I'm having like major flashbacks Thanks. to like San Diego sitting on the floor of the lab trying to figure out why my robot won't turn on or why its motors mm-hmm. are like doing insane things and it's because I put the motors in the wrong way around so the left arm was doing what the right arm did and then I ripped an arm off um so yeah I can't put a computer this together is- but I can put a robot together um together the same thing together we make a fantastic team who also seems to know exactly. something about child development I don't know we're very strange people Siobhan um oh know, ev- isn't everyone an interesting that everyone is that's the beauty of humanity and I have really fantastic news that you already know about but I want to tell the rest of the um listeners because we said a few episodes or many episodes ago that I really had to get around to writing the paper um that Siobhan and I did together which was an experiment we did together while Siobhan was still in academia and if you didn't know Siobhan left academia to go and pursue business interests outside of it where she had founded Science Minded um and she is thoroughly enjoying that and is away from the chaotic academic environment that I find myself in um but yeah Mm. this week (laughs) I finished writing the entire paper so um in six to 12 months, there will be a published version of a paper with Siobhan and my name on it. And it has absolutely mm-hmm. nothing to do with parenting, but a bunch to do with child cognitive development and a couple of robots for good measure. Um, absolutely. And I, I read through really it exciting. yesterday. It's awesome. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. I was mostly impressed, as you were as well, at how eloquent and wonderful mm. our ex supervisor is. Yes. Our um, ex supervisor, or our our, our um, what is it? Academic father, Miss yes, um, Mark Nielsen, father. Professor yeah. Professor Mark <laughs> Nielsen is so good with words. Yeah, um, he just his paragraphs be- paragraphs but, um, of beauty. Yeah, he took my tragic first draft. Like I, when I write a draft, I don't like to hold on to it. So I take my writing and I close my eyes and I send it without editing it. Um, expecting people to give me comments, not rewrite the entire introduction. But I always forget that one of my academic supervisors, pre-supervisors, post, previous, I don't know, loves to rewrite things and he's just so damn good at it. So if you are a terrible writer, me too, um, but, (laughs) you know, someone more skilled than you might come along and rewrite it for you and maybe one day you'll become that more skilled person. But currently that is not me and I am okay with it because he just made it perfect. So quickly. He did. It's wonderful. I, I mean, I loved what you'd, you'd started with and he just polished it a little and made it so much better because that's one of his many skills. I feel like we're really breadcrumbing people here because like they don't get to read this paper that we're talking about. I know. Um, so the good I mean, they news could. is. <laughs> you could just. I'm not I don't think you should. Yet. You shouldn't just publicly. <laughs> no, you shouldn't um, for lots of good reasons. But the good but... news is, hold on, Siobhan. The good news is Sorry. I have convinced our other co-authors on another paper to preprint. So what a preprint means is that I can preprint the paper after the first round of review. They're not comfortable with preprinting it at the point of submission, but at the first round of review, I can put it up as a preprint on a repo- on a paper repository, which means that everyone can see it much sooner. Um, it's not finalized. Preprints, if you ever see a preprint, it means that it hasn't passed all rigorous peer review yet. It's just going through the process, um, but it means that it is open access and then when it's accepted, we just link to the accepted version and we update the paper as the review process goes along. So we can probably 
pre-print that because they're already on board for another paper that we're going to pre-print. Amazing. So you will see it even sooner. But yeah, do you want to give the cliff notes of what we found? I can't remember if we've already explained this, but. I don't know if we have. So basically, um, oh, maybe two or three years ago. No, more than two. <laughs> yeah, almost ago. three years ago now. Oh, my word. At least. It does. At least, yes. I mean, I've, oh, no, I'm I was doing the really, maths based on children. I was really, really pregnant when I was finishing data collection, I think. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah, really pregnant, sitting on the floor of a museum with my little iPad showing kids videos and then giving them a bunch of toys. Um, yeah, I was I was nine months pregnant when I collected the last <laughs> data points. Oh, wow. I know. Um, I must have been only slightly, yeah, I was a little bit pregnant um, and in the throes of morning sickness mm. um, and also like, so before Anyways. I jump ahead, so um, this is the study. It's about um, children's understanding of intention mm-hmm. um, and specifically how children um, infer intention for non-social or non-human agents. Mm-hmm. So um, they watched, uh, so we had 90, no, 90 or 180? 180 180 180 Good on months. Us. That's a lot. To f- uh, four-year-old. Four. Yeah. yeah. Up to 48 months. So that- start of four. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Go us. So, yeah, we had 180 children, 90 yeah. collected in Auckland, 90 collected in Brisbane. And they saw half the half the kids saw um, five videos of a human person try but fail to complete a task. So they um, did five different videos with five different objects and they um, there's no words. They're just trying to do something and then failing. Mm-hmm. Um, as an adult watching it, it's really obvious that they're trying to put, say, beads in a cup or they're trying to press a button or they're trying to do something. That's because we're very good at inferring intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, children are less good at this and they get better as they get older. Um, and there's lots of studies to show that already. The new part of the study was that, um, well, newish part yeah. of the study was that um, we had the same actions and the same uh, um, objects were being acted upon by a robot. Um, and they, in the same, they kind of did this exactly the same things as much as you can if you're not a human person. But they, um, they're very, very similar. And then half, half the kids saw the robot, half the kids saw the uh, adult person, and then we gave the same objects that were in the videos to the kids and then let them play with it. And basically the 18-month-olds, for the most part, just kind of played with them. No, um, no, they copied. Oh, goodness, I've forgotten. <laughs> it's okay. Did they copy or do they? No, sorry. Um, so in our experiment, the... <laughs> this is us being terrible. <laughs> Um, yes. So in our experiment, what we found was that all children, regardless of their age, inferred the intention of the robot just as much as they inferred the intention of the human. That's so they right. looked no at what was going age or yeah, they looked at what was going on in the videos and they were like, "Oh, you didn't mean to do that. You meant to do this." Um, and so they'd never seen the goal of the action, but they were just like, "This is obviously what you're meant to do here." So like, I can see that you want to do that. Um, and this is a really complex cognitive thought inferring that there are intentions that someone else has that like, you know, you didn't have any intentions for this. So that's really interesting. And then to do that with a robot is really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, it definitely increased with age. So 18 month olds yeah. did a little bit, 24 month olds did a bit more and 36 month olds did it even more than that. Um, and then also did was we looked at whether kids copied the Mm. failed actions because we know that kids actually like to copy exclusively what people do because they think that that's what their intentions are 
So this increases with age. So we expected older kids to actually copy the failed actions rather than infer them or Mm. in addition to inferring them. And that's exactly what we found. So we found that the oldest age group of kids, almost 50% of kids were copying the failed actions um, as well as rather than successfully completing the, yeah, so to, to explain this in a bit more detail because we're very familiar with this yes. concept, but basically it's what's termed over-imitation. Mm-hmm. So the kids could do t- one of two things and some kids did one and some did the other. Basically they can go, oh, you meant to do this, so I'll do what you were trying to do. And younger kids tend to do this. Um, and it often it's not surprising that this happens between kind of this really starts to become more common between 18 to 24 months of age because this is when children start to become extra helpful Mm. and the reason they're able to be helpful is because they're able to um, figure out the intentions of others and figure out what you're trying to do and then assist you in achieving that goal now the really cool thing is over imitation which is closer to the ages three and four they go okay the mistake is so obvious that I don't think you would I don't think you were trying and failed I think this was a something you were trying to do the mistake Mm. and there must be a reason you're trying to make this mistake you must have a point there must be something that I don't understand that's going on so I'm going to copy what you did exactly because you're the more knowledgeable other Mm -hmm. you know what's going on and I'm going to trust that you're doing what was supposed to be done even though it's obviously wrong. Exactly. And we were a little bit curious to see if kids would do this with robots as well, see if this trajectory would hold for robots as it does for humans. And we found that it didn't. So kids won't ever copy the failed actions, or very few kids did um, copy the failed actions, so that kind of over-imitation-like behaviour. Uh, we won't call it over-imitation because that's a slightly different definition of behaviour, but similar mm. to it. Um, so yeah, they wouldn't do this for a robot. So they, it seems like they can infer the intentions of a robot, but they don't have the social motivation, um, to copy something that seems completely redundant. And this is true in some of my other work that I published as well, where kids do actually over imitate robots, but to a significantly less degree. Um, this is a very sciencey start to this episode. I am so sorry, everyone. <laughs> it is. Well, look, they, 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 that's what they come here for, maybe, uh, hopefully, possibly. All of the above. You guys come here for everything, right? Um, but anyways, <laughs> that kind of leads into, I think, our topic for today, Siobhan, which is... I think it's a good yeah, tangent. which is all about, like, understanding um, when we should, I guess, adhere to science, whether we should just think that science is the be-all, end-all scientism, which is a whole uh, TikTok debacle that's been going on this week Siobhan um and whether mm-hmm. there's any it's always a TikTok debacle I live on TikTok and it's, there is parent talk is very I, feisty I, there's there's <laughs> just always a dumpster fire going on it's why I'm scared of TikTok <laughs> the whole app is a dumpster fire that is a excellent way to term it but anyways Siobhan is there let, let's talk about the gray or the black and white of science haha mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm love yes. it. Love your work. That's a dad joke. And as we talked about last episode, you're all about dad jokes and I'm here for it. So <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I've been doing a bit of research and um, thinking about mm. black and white cards. So um, you and I both know that um, when babies are born, they have 
it's not quite monochrome. Lots of people say they have black and white vision, <laughs> monochrome vision. It's not quite yeah. that. It's more like the the saturation is turned all the and way it's up. Blurry as um, yeah, and that it's get out. it's hmm. well, it's incredibly blurry. And whilst technically their eyes are capable of seeing color, they're very bad at distinguishing mm. color. So instead, what they're able to do is really identify and be drawn to the um, contrast. So high contrast images where it's very obvious the the dark and the lights. So babies will naturally do this. Um, They're drawn to things that they can see better. Mm -hmm. So um, it's why as new parents will always say to me like, oh, they always obsessed with staring at the ceiling fan because they can see the shadows Mm -hmm. that it's making. Or they're obsessed at looking at the windows and it's because compared to the windows with the light coming through, it's a high contrast Mm -hmm. area or they're interested in the curtains or the blinds and all of these situations are high Mm. contrast. And like the great thing is that your child will be drawn to high contrast um, visual information regardless of what you do or do not show them. However, there's there's been this really big um, kind of push, for the, uh, to be fair, the last yeah. 30 years. Um, it started in the 90s in Taiwan, oh. apparently. Um, they're called, yeah, I've, I've, through my research, found this out. Um, um, I, it's, the word is Mandarin, so I'm not uh, going to pronounce it correctly, but it's Haibaku or Haibaka, um, which means black and white or contrast. Is it like, that sounds um, very in, Japanese, um, Haibaku. Who knows? I let me. Yeah, look. If you speak um, Mandarin, please is... slide into our DMs and correct <laughs> our pronunciation of exactly. this terminology. Because um, yeah, Hibaka. H e h e i b a i k a. I don't know. Maybe it's like maybe hey, Hibaka hey, from um, anyway Moana, but like that's oh, yeah. not. that's it's not mandarin i don't know sorry guys (laughs) so yeah so it's um common in taiwan in the 90s for like this is when these cards started to show up so um for those looking on the youtube video which no one does Mm. and that's okay um there here is an example of like high contrast cards just it's a black Mm. and white card um, but they became really popular and you see it all over yeah. Instagram and Pinterest and people plastering their babies' nurseries <laughs> with like high contrast yeah. images. And that's Beautiful. cool. And like it, I th- exactly. And I think one of the things that's really exciting is that as a parent you can see if you show your baby these cards, you can see how fascinated mm. they are by it. They're, they're absolutely enthralled. Um, and it's got me thinking because – some people take it really seriously and there's like there's blog articles about how um, if, if you show your child these cards, you'll um, improve their brain development. And it's like, no, you won't. Their brain development will happen as is because they will find these images mm. in their visual landscape mm-hmm. anyway. Probably if you took a baby and only put it in a room with like artificial lighting 24 mm. hours a day, then that probably and you show them the cards they probably need the cards because they don't have an environment where they can get the information otherwise but hopefully no one's child is living in that world so fingers crossed (laughs) but fingers exactly so no like um so it's got me thinking about these cards like that they're great but you don't need them and it's not like you're um bolstering your child's development or like magically um improving Mm. their brain it's just something cool that they're interested in doing and if you're interested in doing it too Mm. awesome um and yeah just got me thinking in general about how 
um, science communication can sometimes get oversimplified and sold mm. to parents as a must-have yeah. in a way that it's like it's interesting and helpful but it's not required. Mm. It's like the Baby Einstein videos now, like they don't exist anymore for good reason. I think they don't exist anymore. Maybe they do but I don't think they're making any money. Um, they used to like advertise that they taught like language to three-month-olds and there was mm. so much research in the mm. like early noughties being like, no, they don't. They don't teach a goddamn thing. Um, it's just false marketing. And I mean, the black and white cards have a good history of evidence behind them. The thing is, like mm-hmm. with a lot of things with child development, you can't really supercharge your kid's brain. You can't really push them beyond where they're already going to be at. When parents have precocious children, so children who are like savants in like a rule-bound area, so a, prodi- a prodigy, if you ask them how they made a prodigious child, like a um, Beethoven or Mozart or whatever, um, or a there's artists as well, like a Van Gogh or something, where they are like perfect artists by five, um, if you ask those parents, they kind of just look at you and go, I have no effing clue where this came from. I don't know how to help them. I just stand there. And there's these like skills that prodigious children have and this intrinsic drive they have to master. And it's not something that we can create. So although there's probably a bunch of science out there saying, you know, do this and it'll make your kids smarter. The fact is they're still going to top out at some point. And we do have evidence to say that early, like, formalized instruction in schools like early preschool like sit down pay attention type stuff actually burns children out and makes them worse off in in like year two second grade um so yeah it's sometimes parents get really caught up in the evidence saying this works Mm. and like helps children learn um but only as much as they need support to learn and children do catch up even if they haven't got those um resources and things like that there's a few things where this is different we do know that children in lower ses brackets so like your less rich children or your children in poverty tend to have a lot less vocabulary than their richer peers um but we know this is because parents of children in this bracket don't get to talk to their kids as much those children don't get as much linguistic input um and so in that case there's ways to help children catch up um But if you are a middle class um, parent who most people are when they're focusing on how to make their kids smarter rather than just try to support their development, um, there's not a lot you can do to supercharge those brains. (laughs) Yeah. I always think it's interesting, Mm. right, because often and this I find my answer is similar when it comes Mm. to attachment and not I mean, there are exceptions, but often I find that parents who are worried and asking the questions how do I form a better attachment how do I make sure I have a secure attachment how do I make sure my child is getting the best and it's like the fact that you're Mm. answering those questions probably means that you're um, attuned that Mm -hmm. you care that you have the time and financial freedom to worry Mm -hmm. about those things like as you say, like parents who are working three and four jobs, um, single parents to try and literally just get food on the table and make sure everyone's alive Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're not, they're not able to be there and have the level of like conversation and linguistic input for their little one for sensible reasons. Like at the end of the day, food in your belly is better than a wide vocabulary in the short term. Absolutely. 
Um, so I, yeah, I find um, that whilst this information being shared is great and important, sometimes it's easy for parents to get um, carried away by thinking, oh, I'm not doing enough, I need to do more. And like you say, you can't really supercharge. Children are so in charge of mm. their own learning. Um, and if we try to redirect mm. them and be like, no, no, don't do this, you need to learn that, we're actually severely disrupting Absolutely. their development. Um, so we're so often better suited. Um, and this is all for like kids four and yeah. five and under. Once you're starting to hit the five, six, seven-year-old age bracket when formal schooling becomes more necessary in order to function in our mm -hmm. current society um their like school readiness and things to be successful in an academic setting uh, whilst not essential mm. or all important they do yeah. become relevant yeah and you can you can obviously support your child's learning at that rate but there's also things that like so science tells us that like there's things that support learning and that's great but we can sometimes top out our kids so we can put lots of effort in but sometimes mm. we can top out or burn out our kids um, but there are things we know that also negatively impact our kids too so one of those ironically is homework <laughs> we know that children should yes. under like the age of like 12 should have no homework um, and then all the way up to year yeah. 12 grade 12 12th grade however you guys talked about it I don't know how to talk about it um up until 12th grade, it should really only be one to two hours a night. And even that is way too much. So yeah, I'm going to be one of those mums at school who's just like, she didn't do her homework because mm. I didn't want her to do it because I want her to love learning. And I don't want her to be burnt out when she learns all day mm. and then comes home and has to do more learning. Uh, because we... I know. I've had so many conversations mm -hmm. with my own mum about this because I'd be like, how the hell did so you manage? Because I remember in high school being told by teachers, well, you need to do one to two hours per subject. And I'm like, I, I do, do six that much subjects. in a day. <laughs> like how, how, I know. And I kind of solved it by not doing it. <laughs> I was lucky that I um, was clever mm. enough to kind of get by. Mm. I didn't get amazing grades. Um but I decided that it wasn't worth it, um, which I'm not suggesting that's the best um, no. path to take, uh, although I do. Oh, and I mean, I'm the exact opposite because I did do that many hours. I would come home from school, I would sit down on my bed and I would work on my laptop until I fell asleep mm. and would drop my laptop on the floor. And then I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning and keep working. Oh my goodness. And then I go to school. And I ended up so incredibly unwell yeah. by the time I graduated school, like really, really, really unwell in a lot of different ways, mentally, physically. Um, and yeah, I got reasonable grades. I mean, they should have been better, but I went to a school where, you know, in Queensland, like your your grades are uh, limited by your cohort and your school. So yeah, this, um, I got the grades I needed to get yeah. into my program, but yeah, they could have been better. <laughs> they were as good as I could get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like, I was not a healthy human at the end of that process. Um, and I, it just didn't need to happen. Um, no, I completely so, agree. Yeah. And it makes me worry and wonder about how the hell I'm not going to navigate this with Timo and his schooling, because I, everything mm -hmm. in me wants to be like mama bear rage, but then also I need him to get along with his teachers and to have a functional, um, anyway, that's a problem for it. It's hopefully the future. It's going to be interesting. Mm. But also, like, the reason that, like, we don't love homework is because it takes time away from family connected connectedness mm -hmm. and physical movement. Mm -hmm. um, so in some ways, like, science tells us great things and in some ways science tells us things that don't make too much of a difference. 
Um, and sometimes science originally tells us really terrible things, like in the 60s, um, like spanking your kid. And then over time, we learn that there are better things, um, like not spanking your kid and redirecting and reasoning instead. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So anything else you wanted to say on that topic? Oh, Tom? I mean, it's so... I guess I it's, it's this is this is something that I struggle with constantly because it's all about science communication and the challenge yes. of course is that different scientists are communicating different science and mm, by they? definition um, we are not we don't have the same agenda because everyone's got their own research interests and because we're not mm-hmm. all doing the same research everyone's working on their own little pockets we have different variables mm-hmm. that of course they interact with each other but we haven't studied them So, Mm. like, in a perfect world, which doesn't exist and never will, we would all have, like, everyone would be coordinated in their research efforts (laughs) and account for all of the variables. (laughs) I just have, I always, I wonder if you do this, I always have these ideas of, like, I wish I had sim stats for everyone, like the game, the computer game The Sims, and I could just look up the stats and figure it out. That's that's not real. Um, no, be nice. It would, but, and the reason like the, this topic that we're talking about, which is obviously, um, a bit all over the place, but the the central theme is that (laughs) science, mind you, everything we always do is over the place. And I love that. We are very all over the place. Love it. Um, Mm. is that science and science communication is flawed and it's in so often I get this in my comments and I know you do too. It's like, I'll get passionate people on both sides of an argument Mm. and they'll say it's science you can't argue with it uh it's facts and here I am often sitting in the corner not replying to these because I'm like well science Mm. isn't facts science is data Mm -mm. interpreted by a human Mm -hmm. with bias and agenda um so it's not science is inference exactly like hopefully the people doing the like inferring um and interpreting those data are good people with the right, mm. like the right morals and the right kind <laughs> of. That's hilarious. I know because we know that not to be the case. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, like everyone's coming from a good place and trying not just to get grant money, even though that is how that, that works. Is literally, what everyone is literally doing. Literally, how mm-hmm. everyone's working. Um, and is money makes the world oh, go around, quite, and including science. Absolutely. And then similarly, and I. And it's funny, actually, because I there was a post, a comment on one of my posts recently talking about scientists have no idea what they're doing, so I'm just going to make up my own mind. <laughs> and the, the funny thing was typically not a lot of people wouldn't assume that I would agree with that kind of comment, and I don't, oh. but I definitely sympathise with it because oh, yeah. I, I can see where this person is coming from because particularly if they're not um, – uh, like engaged with the scientific community or a part of it from an outsider's perspective it's so easy to be like everyone says something different everyone says I'm right mm-hmm. and it can't be interpreted any differently but you all say the opposite from each other so how the hell am I supposed to know who to believe you are all lunatics I'm gonna just make up my own mind and it's like I get it yeah you do you you go make up your own mind yeah. you don't have to like it's all well and good to use evidence-based strategies to guide your parenting life general all that kind of stuff but also if you are feeling like you are being pulled in two different directions um honestly just do your own thing do what feels right to you um and if you are a middle class responsive parent 
uh, the things you do aren't going to make a huge difference um, as long as you don't hit your kids, as long as you apologize after yelling. Um, yeah, a lot of the things that you do, um, as most of our listeners are middle class, um, yeah, it's not going to make a huge difference. There are tons of things that we can give to support um, non-middle class, a lower SES or like uninvolved parents, which are sometimes synonymous with like an upper class kind of echelon. Um, there's lots of things we can talk about there, but yeah, sometimes science can overwhelm people because there are fierce academic debates. And when you can't read the research and when you can't critique it because you haven't spent a decade learning about how to do that, it can get. And it's also behind a paywall. And it's also behind a paywall, um, except for the fact that SciHub exists. We love SciHub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a lot for people. So yeah, that's, I guess that's why we're here. Um, mm-hmm. Adding our two cents, sometimes confusing people uh, and contributing to the problem rather than helping it. But yeah, it's it's a whole shebang, but you don't need to. It's all a work in progress. Yeah. And you don't have to live your entire life by every single scientific finding. Um, a lot of what you do should be intuitive. Um, the only thing we really say is to question the way things were done before to make sure that they feel right um and there will occasionally be public health campaigns on things that we've decided are really damaging like spanking we know that is really damaging so the (laughs) the government will tell you not to do it um and everything else kind of just falls in the cracks of like whether it helps or hurts or hinders I don't know Yeah, and I guess something that's very relevant to the way research works is that so often we kind of touched on this when we were talking about our um, children understanding intention study is that Mm -hmm. so much of this data that is gained from these studies is at a population level, particularly like the big stuff. We're not literally when it comes to research, we're not interested in individuals. We're interested in what groups or populations of people do um, because that's how you determine the averages or the norm but mm-hmm. by definition the norm and the average is made up from like thousands and thousands of data points mm. and what one kid does on one given day firstly might be completely different to what they do tomorrow or the day after yeah and might be different for very good and sensible reasons to what the way another child does something yeah. so evidence-based parenting which we both ascribe to can only mm-hmm. li- it can literally only go part of the way because yeah. all it all it can do is give you a framework of understanding mm-hmm. about what you might expect or mm-hmm. what might be considered helpful. But you, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, are the expert in your own child and you need to stop and think what's going to work for this kid at this moment. Yeah. yeah, I think like the best way to think of it is science tells you it works for most kids, not all kids. No. Because not all kids um, are lumped in that mean finding. Not all kids do the same thing. Um, like in our intention study, I think like 10% of kids actually imitated the robot's failed actions, but it Mm. was significantly higher in the human condition because 50% of kids did it. So there was still 10% of kids that did the behavior that we didn't expect them to do. Um, and I do have a dream one day of using temperament, like the temperament questionnaire, um, and designing parenting, like support for each individual like mm. parenting a temperament style or like you put it in like you put the survey in like with all the like answers and like it'll figure out what temperament your child is and then it'll tell you these are the things you should do 
Um, and that's a more individualized, individual difference focused thing because temperament is all about identifying the differences. Mm. Um, so that's a dream for one day, but yeah, that's not anytime soon. <laughs> but anyways, so the irony of this whole discussion and the fact that we talk about how science doesn't get us all the way there is that on TikTok over the last couple of weeks, um, on parent talk, gentle parenting talk, I don't know what to call it. I don't know why I'm like, I just do the science behind kids and somehow like because I hashtag parenting parents of TikTok, I end up in this space. Um, so someone who has a largest following, we've talked about her before, Ali. Um, mm. Is she in she hot posts, water again? Oh, Siobhan. Mm. Oh, Boiling no. water. Boiling. <laughs> and it's only getting hotter. Um, so she posted a video saying, I can officially never say that I have not spanked my kid because I did so this morning. And she was citing evidence for why you should spank your child. Um, oh. Yeah. So I usually don't rise to these things, but when science gets pulled into it, I do, which is why we've done a whole episode on spanking. Um, so yeah, I kind of responded to that being like, this evidence only tells you like 5% of the story. This is really old. Like it's not that old. It was like 2016 or something. No, it was, no, it was even older, but anyways, like it was reasonably old and, um, it was telling a very, very small part of the story. And she was just using evidence to back up her position and it's her prerogative to hit her kids. Like, that's fine. If you're going to hit your child, go for it, but don't tell 270,000 of your followers to expect no feedback but to also hit their kids and say that it's supported Mm. by science like that's That's the problem yeah um and that just kind of spiraled out of control so I made a couple of videos like had a discussion with her behind closed doors she didn't agree with my position and that's fine we've we've had many conversations in private before and she's usually really respectful um of my expertise and ability to critique critique evidence but in this case she was not she ended the conversation by going well let me ask you this like it's true that all scientists agree life begins at conception right and I was like I can't comment on that I'm not an expert in that area uh, and she's I like well there you go for a fact not all scientists I know agree. I know I know because but I no not all anyone agrees no but I was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on that because I am not the expert in that topic area I am the expert mm. in the other topic area um I am familiar with how to critique parenting and like behavioral studies but I'm not an expert in that literature and I've never read it before so I can't answer that question and she's like well there you go you're just cherry picking scientific evidence um which is what you're accusing me of doing and I was like oh god oh and I was just like I'm not rising to this but no like there is not scientific agreement here um, so because because you can't comment on climate change you can't comment on like she's just yeah. picking, picked an entirely separate so like I was like no this is done I'm blocking you bye and Mm -hmm. so I blocked her on Instagram because that's where we have our conversations because I don't follow her on TikTok and if if you didn't know if you don't follow someone back on TikTok you can't message them um inside and outs of social media (laughs) so that got blocked and then I got blocked in return on TikTok um and was just like on one of my videos I was like here's an update talk to Ali about it tried to give her the benefit of the doubt she got really like nasty um and this is what happened like and everyone's like oh that's not ideal for Ali um because she's making enemies of the people who were actually trying to keep her from going over the edge the last time she got cancelled um because she got cancelled 
previously for um what was it um her old content so years ago she'd put up really terrible like extremist religion um content about lgbtqia plus community members like Mm. a whole bunch of awful stuff and there were a few of us scientists who were like we're not going to cancel you because people who get cancelled double down in their beliefs and make things worse um and you have a very large following and if we do that you're going to have some really awful content coming out really quickly um so we stuck by her on that one. But then when she attacked science um, and said that science supported spanking, we abandoned ship. <laughs> and the thing that we, well, yeah. I was going to say, what a good example of like um, being open to questioning and changing your mind. Yes. <laughs> you went, we're willing to support you up until a point. And then if you push us too far, we will remove ourselves from the equation. Um, but anyways, so well, I mean, she's obviously demonstrated herself not to be open to discussion, which is absolutely necessary for, yeah, kind of helpful debate. But yeah, anyway, so it went downhill, and by it, I mean she's gone downhill with her content. It's she started doubling down in her beliefs, um, and the content is getting it's all really reactive. Recently, she put a video up. Um, it's like a skit where she's like. Um, acting out as someone being like, oh, you're parenting all wrong. Like science says this and that. And she's like, well, I subscribe to, I subscribe to like my religious belief and my beliefs around parenting are guided by my beliefs. Um, it sounds like you ascribe to scientism where science is the be all end all um, as a way to get it. Like the people who were citing science about spanking. And the irony is we spend so much time on this podcast talking about how mm. science isn't the be all end all. So it's not even a great criticism of like, the people who are critiquing her approaches. And the only reason we care about her approaches is because she's got 270,000 people following her and the the shock value videos that she creates get a lot of views. Um, and so we're mm. trying to protect her community from the damaging things that she is sharing because um, we, don't, we don't care what she does. Like that's you do whatever <laughs> you want with your family. And then unfortunately yeah. this morning a video went live where she doubled down on her beliefs and attacked gentle parenting. Um, So we need to correct this misconception because gentle parenting is authoritative parenting. Um, Sometimes people conflate it with permissive parenting, which is where you just kind of let the kid get away with everything. But the central tenets of gentle parenting are that you hold boundaries, you apply consequences that are logical and natural, um, and you are your child's ship in a storm. You are guiding them. You are all these kind of things. Um, And so what she said was that um, gentle parenting your child is going to open them up to um, not only accepting like LGBTQIA plus communities and that feeling and like endorsing, like approaching that way of life by teaching children that it is okay to follow your urges because they are unavoidable and it is who you are will Um, is the same as teaching them that minor attracted people, pedophiles, um, also can't control their urges and that it should be acceptable because that's who they are and that if you gentle parent your child into treating them like a friend rather than as a parent, you open them up to then um, believe that they can consent to a sexual relationship with a minor attracted person, so an adult. So she... Okay, 
Wow. <laughs> Went downhill so wow. fast. And she was comparing. This keeps just going. Mm. I keep thinking that their story is going to end and it just gets worse and worse and worse. You did I warn know. me that there was boiling water. But like the devastating thing is that some of her content was really incredible and that's why she grew yeah. her following. And then things hit the fan once and she managed to recover from it and they've hit the fan again and now she, and now she's doubled down in her beliefs um, by trying to make analogies between the LGBTQIA plus community and pedophiles now oh my god i get it there is a philosophical argument that they are biological urges that are unavoidable for both groups but yeah one of them the big difference is consent one of them is, yeah it's consent one of them causes harm to another population and one of them causes harm to no one so one of them is morally ethically and legally very fine and acceptable even yeah. if it's not religiously acceptable in some populations the other one yeah. is just not it's, I mean, it's like all. saying, it's like saying that um, all sex is like all heterosexual sex is loving. <laughs> no, like a sexual assault and rape—that is not yeah. okay. And the the reason it's not okay is because both parties or mm -hmm. like the parties involved are not on are not equally consenting. Yes. It, so it, yeah, in the issue of pedophilia, um, regardless of whether and there is some research to suggest yeah. that for some. Uh, people they are um pref like their sexual um uh, 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 so this is well, getting into some, <laughs> some heaviness it is but there's research to show that it's, it's sexual orientation yes, yeah um for some yeah. people there's there are some people for who um the the sexual preference is um power and it's about violence and it's about um harm but there are some who it's it's, it's a genuine orientation the real challenge, of course, is that acting on that is harmful. Yeah. It's dangerous. It, it, it's the same thing with bestiality. Mm. Some would argue, and I am one of them, is that animals yeah. cannot consent. Children cannot consent because they do not understand the ramifications exactly. or the, 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 the meanings of those things. And so you take it's a power differential. You're taking advantage mm -hmm. of people. Um, and that those standards are quite, um, or those lines are very clear or at least that's the way it's viewed in society, and mm -hmm. I agree with that. Um, the, the big difference for um, sexual interactions between those members of the LGB, uh, LGBTQIA plus community is that mm -hmm. they are consenting. If they're not consenting, mm -hmm. then, yeah, it's problematic, yep. and it's called sexual assault and rape. Yes. And it, no I, one we disagrees agree with, that. with that. If there is no consent, yes. But here's the, the problem was, like, uh, that wasn't even just like that. That was one problem. But the other problem was mm. saying that gentle parenting your child oh will open them up to childhood sexual assault by sexual predators because you are giving them a friendship rather than a parent-child relationship. And like to be to, like, no, that's not what's happening. In gentle parenting, you are very much the parent and your child is very much the child. And if you are not raising your child to understand what consent is, what a child can and cannot do, what an adult can and cannot do to you, to you as a child um, and all these kinds of things, then you aren't really parenting at all um, if you're not protecting your child from these things. So it's not gentle parenting at all that is going to open your child up to this. There is not a parenting style that's going to make children more vulnerable this to an, than another, maybe except for like the negligent, neglect the uninvolved parenting style like that's probably mm. the one that's going to open them up to it the most because they're not interested in interacting with their child 
But yeah, oh it, gentle parenting is just authoritative parenting, which, you know, Ali really supports. Mm. We've talked about so many times. Yeah, how strange. So she's really just jumped on a bandwagon and gone. I know, but oh, like it's it's yeah, still like well. it kind of like the reason okay. I brought it up was because she was criticizing um, people mm. who use science to support Absolutely. their approaches as scientism, which is ironic because she used to do a lot of like saying science yeah, supports which... this. And like in her spanking video, she said, here's some science supporting it. So the irony of saying like, you know, I like to follow my religious beliefs um, mm. rather than scientism doesn't make sense and a lot of people I don't know if there are many people at all that would ascribe no. to scientism if that's I actually haven't looked up what that term is because even us as scientists know very well <laughs> that science isn't the be all end all and we've just spent this entire podcast talking about that <laughs> I know it's a I mean I would say that more people are accused of blindly following mm-hmm. scientific beliefs than do. Um, and anyone who has a true and proper understanding of the way science works and the scientific method would mm. abhor yeah. the idea of even doing that. So um, I yes. don't agree. No. I don't yes. think you do either. Now, And it's wrong. I have another question for you since we're already on contentious topics. There's been a lot of like social media chatter. Mm. What's happening? Because we're Australian. What is happening with Roe v. Wade mm. in the US? Do you know if it's been overturned? Oh, yeah. It has, hasn't it? I no. Google. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> the last. Please do the last that I'm up to. So I I try not mm-hmm. to get into American politics because Australian mm-hmm. politics is enough of a dumpster fire for me. Um, did I tell you that we've taught Timo the word propaganda? No. That's awesome. <laughs> it's the best. It was very inadvertent. It was accidental to begin with. And we got yeah. some, so there's an election coming up next week in Australia. Yeah. Um, it'll, by the, it will be, have been done by the time this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. But um, as a result, we're getting lots of leaflets in the letterbox about vote for this person, don't vote for this person. And usually Australian politics isn't dirty. There's not too much um, slanderism or like too much slander or mm-hmm. like smear campaigns. However, this election, there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so there's lots of, anyway, there's lots of what I find amusing and ridiculous propaganda that's coming through. Anyway, so my husband walked in the other day, a couple of weeks back with, um, a handful of papers and I went, what is that? And he goes, oh, more, pro- more propaganda. And then Timo, it's very colorful. He grabbed it and was excited by it. And then mm-hmm. just started dancing around because it was late afternoon zoomies and started just going propaganda, propaganda. And we fell about laughing because it's hilarious. <laughs> and now he's it. really taken this and run and he likes the sh- to shred things yeah. in the shredder that we bought for him as a toy. So he now his favourite thing to shred is propaganda, which really speaks to me and my um, uh, current kind of view of politics uh, and both political parties uh, because they're both ridiculous and mm-hmm. dumb and I don't want either of them getting in. Yeah. Um, and we've taught him the main like um, slogans for both political parties <laughs> and we have family members that actively support, like uh, um, vocally support each party and so we get him to say these slogans around the opposite one um, and they all get offended and think it's funny at the same time so Mm -hmm. it's been fun anyway all of that is to say um which isn't relevant while you're googling but Mm -hmm. so I don't pay too much attention Roe v Wade legalized abortions in America is that right yes so Roe v Wade was like the landmark um legal 
um, case that mm-hmm. um, yeah made it so that women were entitled to abortions federally. Um, so you had to yeah. be allowed, to, you had to allow abortions in all states in some capacity. Yeah. The states were allowed to decide how much, like how far along in the pregnancy and different rules around like if it's a medical termination. But yeah, this... Um, so yeah, recently there was a leaked document saying, like mm-hmm. basically pointing out that the um, Supreme Court was going to overturn it. Mm-hmm. And then there's been lots of uproar mm-hmm. as a result. And then lots of, on both sides, some like vehement and violent discussion, verbally violent discussion. Yeah. So I can't find anything to say that it's actually been overturned yet. Um, yeah, I don't think it's been officially overturned, it's but reaching, there's the expectation that it will be. It's recent, reaching fever pitch um, in the, whatchamacallit, um, in, in the US TikTok space at the moment. I am seeing mm. so much content about it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it must be, like, getting closer to being overturned, which is really, really horrific because we know that. Well, I think. Yeah, I think in Queensland it's illegal. I think it is. I think you are correct. Um, the uh, which is you know problematic. Oh wait, no, no it was illegal. Twenty eight. Yeah, it was subject to the criminal code. Yes. Um, but it is as of twenty eighteen. It is. It's not illegal, but it's not legal and freely accessible. That's that's false because it is. Because I know of okay, people sorry, who I'm have. Wrong. I know of people who have received medical abortions in Queensland. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it must there be. There we go. I Do you know what? I must be thinking of, I had a friend who, so lots of hospitals in Australia and Queensland are Catholic hospitals. They're run mm. by the Catholic Church. Um, and I had a friend who there were complications. Like I, I won't get into any of the details, but um, there were medical reasons for it mm. being needed and um, she was told uh, goodbye, good luck. What? basically yeah that is wild um, yeah and it was she was severely traumatized by that experience obviously mm. um anyway we don't have the same kind of extremist beliefs in australia that are in the states and there's a lot less people in australia and we have um public health care so we don't have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to have a baby um and we have like public schooling and we just have so much support for families that makes even if it was an unwanted pregnancy that a mother cannot terminate um there would be more support and social structures in place overturning something Mm. like roe v wade in a place like the u.s would be catastrophic because there are so many extremist beliefs in that country so many straits would immediately remove any kind of termination of pregnancy um and they'd remove it for medical reasons they'd remove it for any kind of really any reason um and that is terrifying because we know what happens to children who are born to families that can't afford them um that can't handle it um that don't want them we know what happens to those children and the irony is these people care claim to care about children and not wanting to lose any life yet once that child is born they don't care anymore they don't really give it if what happens to that child and yeah, that is not in favor of funding to support parents no, they children. won't give them public health care they won't give them minimum wage like there are so many things that make australia so much better suited to something like what we used to have which was a legal 
termination of pregnancy in an entire state. Um, but in somewhere like the US, it's going to lead to catastrophic problems. I was really on that cheery note. Well, I have a really random. <laughs> Where are we side going note. with this? I have a really random. Perfect. Side note. Let's, Go for it. Let's just slide into this really random side note because I feel like it's going to make my point nicely. I was listening to a song, old school song, Eminem, Mockingbird. Do you remember that song? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That song. I basically was listening to it in the car, and I was like. Let's count the aces. Let's count the adverse childhood events yeah. in Eminem's child's life. Mm. And if you listen to that song, it tells you what is going to happen to a child if it's brought into a family that can't handle it. Now, I'm pretty sure Eminem's child was wanted, but it was still not a healthy family dynamic that a lot of people in the US live in. Um, so he talks about the fact that his... Um, wife and he divorced because they didn't couldn't handle each other anymore um that when he got famous his wife couldn't handle it so she started a drug addiction so there's two aces right there then she went to jail there's three aces um they were growing up they kept getting their house broken into and getting shot up there's another one living in a really unsafe environment and these are the kinds of like children that we are concerned about in a lot of science and a lot of trying to figure out how to support children's cognitive development, it's children in these environments. Um, and a lot of these children that will be brought into this world after the overturning of a bill like this um, are going to experience mm. all these negative life events, which we know are strongly correlated with really negative life outcomes as adults. Uh, it's going to lead to increase in ca- in increases in incarceration, increases in crime, like, do you, did you ever read the Freakonomics book? I, do you know what I was? This was exactly what I was about to yeah. come in with. So there's, <laughs> um, yeah. So there's this uh, book called Freakonomics, which is a um, uh, a book all about economics and public health mm-hmm. um, and the outcomes of like population data, which is what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's written by Stephen J. Dubner and Stephen Levitt. Um, mm-hmm. They've done updated versions of it. So I think the first one came out, what, in 2005. Um, there's been other versions of and they've got yeah. a podcast and they've got – they're just there's, really great. And the way books, they super freaking mix. Exactly. It's, yeah, so it's it's really great. And basically it's um, – so the title is a title of the book is Freakonomics, the hidden side of everything. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, talking about unintended consequences at a population level. And this study that they um, described uh, was all about um, like a massive drop in crime that happened mm-hmm. in was it in New York, like New York State or Chicago? Maybe I can't remember. Yeah, I can't. I can't places. remember. Exactly. Mm. But basically this one, one of the states um, saw a massive drop in crime that seemed to happen suddenly and they couldn't figure out why. Mm -hmm. Lots of arguments were that it was due to increased policing, that it was due Mm -hmm. to um, better education. And what the authors of this book came to conclude um, was that 18 um, year, 18 to 20 years prior, Roe v. Wade was put in place. Mm-hmm. So instead their argument was that um, there was a whole cohort of um, children, particularly young men, who were who didn't exist, who weren't born into poverty, who weren't 
born into families that couldn't afford emotionally, financially um, to support them. And as a result, these children weren't turning to uh, illegal crime and drug and um, activities in order to survive. And so as a result, this is they, they just didn't exist because those babies were terminated um, and that the they the stance they took was neither positive nor negative about abortion per se. It was more that the unintended consequence is that there were crime reductions. Interestingly, while you were chatting, I was Googling um, Freakonomics, abortion, etc. And then the first thing that came up, which was interesting, <laughs> was that um, this is false. It only counts if you don't count abortion as a crime. <laughs> Which I thought really beautifully oh, yeah. explained the debate. Mm, I mean, but what they were talking about, like in Freakonomics, the way they wrote that story was there was forecasted to be a devastating high on crime in mm, the summer of this based year. Based on previous. And then it never happened and everyone was like, what the fuck? Like what happened? Why mm. are we not being smashed by crime right now? Why is it the most peaceful period of our life? And it was because of Roe v. Wade, which, um, yeah, now – could be at risk and we could see the next couple of decades some new Freakonomics style correlations. They're still just correlations. We don't know for certain um, because correlation is not causality and we can't find causal conclusions from population level things like this um, because we can't randomly assign some women to get abortions and some women not to. Um, That is very incredibly unethical. Um, But it is a correlation that seems to hold quite a substantial amount of weight um, and anyways, that's a fun book to read. So if you are scientifically inclined and you want to, if you want to read about like how much money a drug dealer makes, FYI, it's less than minimum wage. Um, that is a very interesting book to read. Siobhan, that is probably enough for today. <laughs> Look, it's a controversial, intense roundabout Wasn't it? <laughs> uh, episode, which is how it really we is. That's just who we are. Um, well, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Probably should have put some trigger warnings at the start of this episode. <laughs> I might go back and record them now. Perhaps. Um, yes. What will we trigger warn? So many trigger warnings. Holy shit. Um, yeah, about everything. Uh, uh, murder, crime, abortion, sexual assault, um, pedophilia. Yeah. Um, spanking. Yeah. Childhood trauma. Okay. Good. There's a if few. You made it, we ticked a lot of boxes. If you made it past the trigger warning at the start of this episode and you made it through this episode, please tell us what you think. Please don't yell at us, though. If you're going to slide into our DM, <laughs> please don't use caps, capital letters because they um, make us anxious. Um, but we'd love to hear your opinions <laughs> in sentence case. I love it. <laughs> yes. I just have this vision of us running away from capital letters. Um, oh, perfect. That's a beautiful vision. All right, Siobhan. Thank you for joining yes. us, everyone. And thanks, Kristen. Bye. <laughs> Bye.